Welcome to the Moms for Wellness podcast on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV. This is a podcast for moms who are passionate about being healthy and who are leading their kids to do the same. Welcome back, Mama. I am so glad you are here because this episode is an episode about hope and encouragement. I know this will be a true encouragement to you today, no matter what you are going through. If you are struggling with something today, I want you to know that you are seen. Your struggle is real and your struggle is known. You may be dismissing it as not a big thing or stuffing it down to deal with later, but I want you to hear loud and clear that you matter. You have worth and you are worth taking the time and effort to acknowledge your struggle and work through it. To help bring this encouragement through her personal story is my guest, Stacy Ruthier. Stacy Ruthier is a cancer survivor and a leader who looks to inspire and empower those battling all aspects of mental health and well-being for those going through any illness at any stage. She was diagnosed with stage zero breast cancer at 36 and had a double mastectomy with reconstruction. But this story is not about her having cancer. It's about the mental health of a woman who thought that her cancer didn't count and she didn't deserve to feel scared or sad. She's looking to share her inner voice about what goes through a person's mind when they go through a traumatic experience and that your feelings count. Being a certified hypnotherapist and Reiki master, she has incorporated her love of personal development and inspired others with stress relief and time management workshops. Stacy is passionate about telling others who need a light of hope about her journey with breast cancer to help others cope and bring awareness to patients' needs in our healthcare system. Please help me welcome Stacy Ruthier. Hi, Jenny. How are hey. you? Thank you. I'm good. Yes. Hi, Stacy. I'm great. I'm so glad you are here. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and just share your story with others. Absolutely. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. So you have a website that um, I want to call, I don't know, it's technically not a blog, I guess, but it, it's like a blog, like it reads like a blog and it's just your um, your journey through this whole process. And I have to say it, yes. And it's on the screen there, stacyshopechest.com. And I, I, it's just so, um, you write so beautifully and it is so real and so raw, like you say, and it just, it's, it's just so amazing to be able to go inside your journey. And I love what you were expressing in it is that you didn't want it to be just, here's all the things that happened to me today, or this, these are the steps I went through, but really these are my emotions behind it. This is how I'm feeling about it and, and expressing the things that aren't often talked about. Um, so I, I appreciate that. I'm excited to just dive into that more, to be able to unpack that a little bit for others to see what inspiration and hope they can um, get from your story. So take us back to, take us back to the beginning and your diagnosis. And you talked about that decision that you had, that pre post mastectomy decision um, and your, the just the experiencing how our past experience, you talked about how our past experiences shape how we approach the current situations that we are in and talked about being in you know fear versus being afraid of something. So let us in on what that was like and what you were going through. 
Geez, where to begin? Um, I know. <laughs> anywhere you want to. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's one of those things like I, I, I needed to figure out a way to get my thoughts across. I, I didn't know how to deal at the time. And I think I was having a hard time putting my thoughts into words. And so I decided, well, maybe I'll just make a Facebook page for my family and friends so I can update them. Because, you know, when everybody starts finding out that you're sick or going through something, you're getting messages left and right and just constantly repeating the same story. So I said, why don't I just start writing? Um, so I started writing and I realized that, you know, I looked at the length of the post and it was so long. <laughs> I was like, wow, I really do have a lot to share about this. I didn't even know that I had that came out. And the whole purpose of this really was not just talking about my journey, but really I was concerned that I had somebody on my um, Facebook group at the time, the support group, I called it. Um, it was a cousin of mine and she had gone through non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I can't talk about my struggles with this. Um, who am I to talk about feeling scared or sad? Or I only have stage zero breast cancer. Um, and she almost died. Um, so that kind of changed the trajectory of the, how I talked about my experience. So I'm not just gonna go for the day-by-day -day motions of somebody who just got a diagnosis, but more from the inside and what was going through my head and that guilty feeling almost of feeling like I don't matter and that I'm not sick enough to talk about. Um, and that's really kind of how it all began. Um, I just felt like my stage just didn't matter, but it still was the C word, you know? Yes. Well, and it's, it's so interesting there too, because I feel like that is just such a common thing in life, but especially I think for women that other C word comparison, like we are always comparing ourselves to other people and, and, you know, just our, my problems aren't as bad as that person. And then, and then, and then we don't process them and we don't deal with. So mm -hmm. I think that's just an amazing thing that you dealt with that so early on. Yeah. And I think it's something a lot of people don't, like you said in the beginning, you kind of bury it and people don't mm -hmm. think about it and talk about it with other people because they think it doesn't matter or they think, you know, their problems aren't as bad as the person next to them. And you're right. It all is about comparison, unfortunately. Um, you know, and, and that's that's why I really wanted to talk about that sense of it and saying how I felt every day. Um, and, you know, it, it was a struggle. And, and I don't want to just say that it goes with anybody who has had cancer. It could be anything at all. You know, just the tiniest, um, you know, depression, anxiety, social anxiety, whatever it is. You may be feeling these things and you just think, oh, well, I don't see a therapist or I don't see a psychologist. So my issues couldn't matter. Um, but they do, and we, we struggle with them, and we have to work through them together. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's such a great message to just have loud and clear, just shout it from the rooftops. I mean, that is something that we want people to know that we, we should be processing through. I, I've heard someone say um, a little while ago, a friend of mine was like, you know, everyone should have a therapist, everyone, <laughs> no matter what, because we all have issues, we all have things, and I do feel like, you know, it often takes more major things for us to realize, oh, you know what, I need some help through this. I'm like, I can't do this on my own. Well, and so that's beautiful that, that you have given this path, that this opportunity for people to be able to read what you have written and then be able to reach out to you and connect with you also. Um, but I think it's great because you really do, do go into a lot of different things that um, I heard you express that people would say to you, you're inside my head. Those were the thoughts that I was thinking, but it doesn't seem like it's typically 
what is put out there and most talked about too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, you know, I remember one of the posts I wrote about, you know, what I was thinking in the shower and how I cried in the shower and realizing I hadn't had a shower in a week because I wasn't allowed to yeah. you know, after surgery yeah. and how good that felt to just, I felt every drop on my skin. Um, and, yeah. you know, at the same time crying inside because I'm grateful, but I'm also scared because I had just looked at, you know, my chest and realized that nothing was there, you know? So that emotion of having that scared, vulnerable feeling, but then also being completely grateful from what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I just don't think people talk about that um, with, with other people. Um, I know I didn't even feel that comfortable at times to talk to my husband about it or my girlfriends, you know, as I was going through it. And my way was just to write about it. And it almost felt like writing in a journal or in a diary that I just shared with everybody and said, you know, this is what it's really like. These are the thoughts you have when you shut the light off at night and you go to sleep. And, you know, as crazy as we think they are, um, (laughs) people think it. So uh, I just wanted to say, you know, we're all thinking this. Let's just put it out there. Yeah. And I love one of the um, entries that you had that you talked about just just kind of just talking just putting words down, just saying like you weren't able to put your finger on the emotion. You couldn't name it, but these are the things that I'm feeling. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. You know, that was really tough because I think people um, assume when somebody goes through something hard like this, that you have to be sad or you have to be mad or some of those things. And I would have people come up to me and say, my God, I feel so bad. Oh, oh my gosh, it's so tough. And I was like, it's fine. You know, and they couldn't understand <laughs> why I wasn't sad with them. Um, yeah. And they're like, I just don't understand how you're handling it so good. Well, I said, well, you know, that's what you expect me to um, respond with. But uh, I really was embracing what I was feeling at the moment. And my husband, Grant, would come home and say, how was your day today? And I'd just be like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, 5% of it was sad. 18% of it was angry. <laughs> you know, like, it was all over the map. And so I couldn't pinpoint it. And so being okay with that and saying, you know, it's all right to just be fleeting from moment to moment, not knowing what's going to come. Some days Mm -hmm. I'd be happy and great and proud of what I was going through because I knew it was going to help somebody in the long run. And then in the next moment, I I was like, why me? You know, it it was all over the place. (laughs) So with that, because part of what you enjoy being able to do is help people understand their loved ones and their friends better possibly as much as we can understand what someone else is going through and just trying to put words to those expressions and those experiences so in light of that with you what you just said i'm kind of curious what you would say to um what are good things to say or ask um And I know everyone would be different. I know there's no pat thing. Or maybe I should flip it around and say, what was the most annoying thing that you got asked or said to that you're like, don't ever say this to someone. Maybe we should start there. That might be easier. (laughs) Well, first off, I want to say everything that everybody said was completely um, genuine and I appreciated everything. And I don't expect anybody to know exactly what to say in those moments. But, um, you know, there, there are things that as uh, it's human nature to automatically say, is there anything you need? You know, and sometimes mm-hmm. I want to just say, I just don't need anything. I don't need anybody calling me. I don't need anybody texting me. I don't, I just want to be, mm-hmm. and you know, that may sound bad, but I mean, I, there are times where you just want to be left alone. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe, um, for anybody going through anything, 
their personal space is such a value. Mm -hmm. And that's the time that I use to write or to think about what I was going to write or read back what I wrote. And, and I actually just did that before we hopped on because I just wanted to get refreshed with what I wrote again. And um, I read it and get something different out of it every time. Um, mm. So those moments I think are really important. So giving people space um, and just say, I, I'm here for you if you need to talk or need to listen was always important. But um, being okay, I think, not even just asking what somebody needs, but more waiting to hear their response. Like being mm. there, for them. you know, like just answer the phone if I do call you at, you know, midnight because I'm crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's more meaningful than constantly asking, you know, how can I help? Right. Mm. And maybe just those reminders that they are there and just, you know, not, not, you know, not asking like, oh, what can I do? What can I, what do you need? But just like, yeah. you know, sending a little, you know, picture or just a little smile or just something, just be like, you know, just reminding you I'm here. And, mm. you know, when, when you are in need, then you can reach out. Um, Cause I think that's hard for a friend because we feel like if we're not the ones reaching out, then, I'm not, you don't know that I'm thinking of you or you don't know that I'm here maybe. So I think it's, that can be difficult for the friend. Like I, I want them to know I, I'm here. I, I can do whatever I can for them. Mm -hmm. I think too, one of the biggest things that helped me is this originally started as a Facebook group. So every night after I posted something, I would get super excited to go online and look at all the mm -hmm. different comments and posts and the feedback that I was getting. And it just lifted me up and made me feel so good. And especially when somebody would say, I told, you know, part of your story to a friend the other day, she's about to go for the same thing you did. And, you know, I shared it for that, that text you wrote, you know, on the fifth, that one was a good one. You know, I really love that. Um, Cause that's what you could do for a friend too, is, is tell the positive points or the points of courage or strength that mm. that person went through, instead of just focusing on the, you know, the, um, the, the woe is me sort of thing, you know, and yeah, and yeah. So that kept me going because I knew my story was growing legs and people were taking it. And I ended up talking to people on the phone and messaging of people I've never even met because it was a friend of a friend who was going through the same thing or had a surgery coming up and wanted to ask questions. That was more gratifying to me than anything because that was the mm -hmm. whole point was be, to be able to get the story out and to also help people who we're about to go through the surgery and so I could share with them what to expect. So. Yeah. And that's amazing because that would not have happened if you weren't so open and so vulnerable and you, you were willing to do that for your friends. Because I do think that is difficult. Like, you know, people handle things all different ways. Some, you know, people just close up very quiet, you know, don't, don't want. And, um, but it is interesting what you said, just having like the Facebook group, it does make me think that that is a, um, you know, a safer way, you know, it's your friends and your family, and then you opened it up later. It's like, oh, this is helpful. And this could be beneficial to others. And so that maybe did give you the freedom to like, these are people that love me. So I'm just gonna just, you know, I'm just my way to update. And then also, there is a place that you can go to get that encouragement, but you can close it when you don't want to be there either and just not have your phone, you know, <laughs> blowing up either. So that's kind of nice to be able to have that there and be able to check in, but then be like, okay, I need a break from it too. Right? Yes. Exactly. It's a lot to, it's a lot to unpack. Like you mentioned, it's just every day, every hour was a different emotion. And, you know, I just kind of 
took that and, and went with it and said, okay, well, today is going to be a good day. You know, yeah. one of the comments I wrote was, you know, I don't know if I'm going to sleep for the night tonight or stare and look at the popcorn ceiling and count them instead of sheep, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and being okay with that. Um, yeah. And to be able to explain and, sh- and kind of say for people on the outside to read that and be like, wow. Never thought about that aspect of going yeah. through an illness, or mm-hmm. um, gee, I I thought about that. I didn't I thought I was the only one who thought that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah. it's just you know I can help um, people relate to maybe something that has gone through their head. And I thought what you talked about outlook was really good because. Um, it it gave, you know, kind of like what you just said, like, am I going to sleep tonight? Am I not? Like, you know, which one is it going to be? And just in your way of writing, you, you hit all the things that it could be. Um, it just very, um, very poetically, I guess in a way, but like, especially with the outlook, you know, acknowledging all of the different ways and like, I'm not perfect. You know, I thought I would be this way, but it's actually a lot different than I thought it would be. Great point. Yes. Um, again, we're ingrained to think bad news. I have to feel sad. I have to feel stressed. I should be acting like this. Um, and I thought all those things were going to happen. And then when they didn't, <laughs> I almost felt what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> the movie script is going differently. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't good. Um, I should be fine. And you know, people are like, why are you happy about this? And you know, the day I was getting wheeled into the surgery, you know, the, the staff was watching me and one of them went up to me and she's like, we know you're about to have surgery right now. Right? I'm like, that's fine. You know, like nobody can understand why I was like calm and at peace with it all. And, and I don't know, Jenny, I don't know why that yeah. it's not. I mean, I definitely tried, but uh, it just came very naturally to me where there were mm. some moments where I was like, it's fine. You know, I knew, I think I knew at those moments deep down that it was happening for a reason. I look back and I like play it back in, in a timeline. And I'm like, wow, everything was in place for a reason. The people I've met, the people I've spoken with, the things I've said, the things I've done have all Mm -hmm. helped somebody. And so I said, well, that must be why I'm going through this. And I kind of accepted it that way. Yeah, that's amazing. What would you say is one of the most uh, surprising things that didn't turn out? Like, it just makes me think with the outlook, people say, oh, you should be this way, and you know, but you weren't. So was there another aspect of the whole journey or you know, a specific part of it that you know, the movie, you know, this is what it looks like, or people think this is what it looks like, but really for you, it was different? Hmm. Kind of putting you on the spot with that yeah. one. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, just I think the the whole experience was was not the movie I thought. Um, I, again, like that that feeling of um, I'm supposed to be sad. Um, it, and I think like when the the nurse called me at work, it was a Friday. I remember I had uh, an intern in my office and I answered the phone. And I was expecting, you know, some news, but um, they told me, they said, you have stage zero breast cancer, which is um, ductal carcinoma in situ. Um, it's a big fancy word for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she said, oh, honey, don't even worry. If you're going to have cancer, it's the best kind to have. She said that to you on the phone. Mm. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. I, I, you know, 
a flood of emotions where maybe maybe that was maybe that was it like the the moment where she told me that and i was expecting um to be like okay i'll go with that and instead i got off the phone and like was in tears and my poor intern she's like oh my god are you okay <laughs> you know and the first thing i did was you know call my husband and, and call my mom <laughs> yes <laughs> um you know and i thought okay well i'll be all right with this and then i had this like you know just emotion come over me i don't know and that's a hard question to answer because it was really a roller coaster and it was the movie was being built as as we went yeah along. yeah yeah and that's a a really good segue we have to take a break soon but um to lead into another aspect of why you uh, enjoy telling your story and sharing your story and giving hope to other people is the process that it was and the different situations you found yourself in, like the start of it that you just shared with us in the healthcare system that um, was pretty surprising. Um, so we can definitely dig into that in the second session and talk more about the specifics of your journey and what that looked like and different changes that maybe in the healthcare system would be more advantageous um, for other people that are going through your uh, same or similar situation. Um, so I am excited to be able to dig into that more with you. I am so glad you are here with us and we are going to take a quick break and then be back on Moms for Wellness and my, with my guest Stacy Ruthier and you are listening to WSMNE Enlightenment Radio TV and Radio. Welcome back to Moms for Wellness. I'm your host, Jenny Hardy, and I am joined today by with my guest, Stacy Ruthier. And Stacy Ruthier is sharing her story of her cancer survivor story. And um, just the last part was just so full of hope and inspiration and just so beautiful. And I just highly encourage people to go and read all the blog entries that we were talking about. It really is just so inspiring and I know will be so helpful to so many women and we were starting to get in at the end there about how the rude awakening that you were given of the way that you were delivered your news and that is honestly that's shocking to me I mean I I don't I, it is have you found is that common like is is that a lot of what other people's experiences are like Yes, Jenny, from what I understand, this is becoming all too common. Mm. Um, at the time, um, you know, back in 2016, I, I, you know, a couple of people I talked to were just flabbergasted, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's how it, it was presented to you. Um, so what happened was they, you know, I went through all the, the tests and all these things. Um, I, I have a, a family history of cancer, uh, breast cancer in my family. A couple aunts passed away from it at the same age as me funny wow um, and uh so i always had issues growing up as a teenager always you know getting tested things like that and, and one weekend um i was addressing after work and i noticed a very large red welt on my right breast and i was like that's strange because it was on the outside you know um so i immediately called the doctor i was able to get in um on uh, the following weekday and she said, because of your history, it's probably nothing. Because of your history, I want to do some tests. And I wasn't scheduled for a mammogram until I was 40, 36 at the time. 
So we did all the tests of the you know ultrasound, blah blah blah, and you know ended up finding that it was uh, DCIS, ductal carcinoma in situ. Um, so I got the phone call, like I mentioned uh, earlier, at my job. That was very disappointing Gosh. to me because yeah. I expected, maybe this is where the movie I thought was going to go, mm-hmm. was that they would say, you know what, we'd like you to come in, we want to go over your results, et cetera. And I, my heart would have sank and I would have known something bad was mm-hmm. about to happen. But right. I thought they would have told me in person. Um, yeah. So when she told me on the phone and said, you know, this is the best kind of cancer to have if you're going to have any, I immediately said to her, I'm like, can I get in to see the doctor today? And I said, I really insist on, I want to talk. This It was going to be a long holiday weekend. And I knew the whole weekend was going to go by. Well, I was just, oh, it was yes. a Friday. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh. Weekend. I, I don't know any answers. Like what, am, mm. what is happening? So I insisted and I got an appointment with a random doctor. Now, again, it wasn't my doctor. It wow. was a breast specialist that was assigned to me. So my husband picks me up at work and we drive to the office. And the lady was great. I mean, she told me everything I needed to know and gave me all these options. It was very overwhelming to just be told this hours ago. And I, I handed a three ring binder, Jenny, that was about this thick. And <laughs> had, when I got in the car with my husband, I'm looking at it going, oh my God. It had everything from stage zero to wig shops and hospice care. At That's the end. crazy. And I was just like, I can't believe they gave this all to me. Yeah. So when I came home, we're, we're going through it like I'm studying for an exam. And I, I'm about oh, to call my family who don't know. I have to do the you know the phone tree. And mm-hmm. so I'm looking, making sure I have all my terminology correct. And everything. <laughs> like, what am I even talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I know they're going to ask me questions. And yeah. So like the next day, I remember just looking at this book. And I was just like, I can't believe like they couldn't just take out like the part that pertained to me. And like right. take that part off the shelf and say, this is what all you need to worry about right mm-hmm. now. Exactly. You know, that would be very thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that's a lot to ask, you know, right. from anybody in the healthcare system, like just make little packets based on yeah. what stage cancer you are. Cause there's no need to upset me or anybody else mm-hmm. and overwhelm them with all this extra stuff. That's like, I'm not even near that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, that was overwhelming. For yeah. sure. That was just the beginning. <laughs> I cannot even imagine. So how how did you sort through that? Did you have a follow-up appointment with your doctor then? Or did you go straight to specialists from there? So um, I was very blessed that um, my insurance um, through my husband's work offers this service where they can um, get the top two or 3% doctors in the country um, to give you a second. Uh... So I was able to get that. And then also they give you a care team. So I had a nurse, I had a specialist, um, and I had like a case manager on on the phone with my husband and I, and they walked through like all the next steps that we were about to do. And they gave me a list of um, preferred um, doctors that they recommend. Um, And so I just basically went down the list and started interviewing them until I found somebody I was comfortable with. Because remember when I went to go see the doctor, they just assigned me somebody. And yeah, she was again very nice, but we didn't click. And I was yeah, yeah. This is a you know, this is a very personal topic and and a journey that I'm gonna have to go through mm-hmm. for the next year or more. And that I want to make sure that I'm happy with the doctors. So I interviewed a couple Absolutely. of them. 
Wow. Yeah. And were they, so since it's the top percentages, did you have to travel to go see some of them? Um, well, I got a second opinion from doctors that were in various areas in the country, but I did say for, for me to actually say, okay, this is, I'm going to go with the mastectomy route because I did have options. I could do hemoxifen for five years, I believe, and some radiation and, you know, keep an eye on things, which I know myself mm -hmm. and I know that I will be thinking about it constantly. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was part of the reason why I chose mastectomy for me. I just knew mm -hmm. that I couldn't live life thinking and worrying about it all the time. So yeah. once I decided to do the mastectomy route, then I said, could you get me a list of recommended doctors in Connecticut? Um, okay. Yeah. So that's how I ended up starting there. And I just started calling them and making appointments and just seeing if we vibe. That's really important. Wow. I, you yeah. know, they... You can interview doctors and make appointments and just say, what's your philosophy? What's your, you know, what's your approach? How do you go? Every doctor is different with their techniques mm -hmm. um, and their bedside manner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So a lot of it was probably just to see how that, you know, how you drive. Did you have a list of questions? Like, did you, is there a list of questions kind of out there? Like, hey, this is, or is it not really such a thing? I mean, I know you can, but do people typically do that? Is there a lot of information out there for that? Yeah, I, I definitely found a lot of information on like okay. what to ask and things. I think they were surprised when they came into the office with like a notebook. Um, <laughs> You're my kind of girl. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally me. You know, I just have a question for you. Um, yes. Yeah. But I, I mean, I encourage people to do that. And I hope people yeah. listening think about that and say, you know, mm -hmm. You don't have to be just assigned somebody uh, a breast specialist because you know you're outside of your primary care physician at this point you have a, right. a surgeon uh, so an oncologist a uh, plastic surgeon in my case i had two doctors mm -hmm. that i had to interview and everybody should take the time to go in so as, as far as questions i'm trying to think what i asked but um you know just having just them explain their process you know mm. So what, what am I to expect with you? And what are your techniques for, especially in the plastic surgery side, so the reconstruction, what mm -hmm. are your techniques? Because some doctors will have like um, incisions in different areas of the breast or different techniques. Um, so that was interesting too, to hmm. see, you know, what they recommend because they're all different. It's not like right. people, they just say, we all do it this way. <laughs> interesting. Well, that's good to know. Cause I mean, if you're mm -hmm. not in that realm, you, you wouldn't know that. Right. And that's really fascinating. So, so you were primarily interviewing for the, the two doctors and you said there was a whole care team. Then mm -hmm. did you, did you get to pick others on that care team or those were the two main people that you chose and then who was with them came along with your care um, team? Yeah, the care team came through my insurance. Um, so that was like, I was assigned a nurse and she lives in another okay. state and she would just call me every once in a while and just, oh, you know, ask okay. how are things going? Is there anything I can answer for you? And that was really great to be able to say, you know, hey, I had an, uh, an appointment with the surgeon today. He said this and I don't quite understand. What can you explain that to me? And she mm -hmm. would explain it, which was really helpful. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. So then you, you made, got through your interviews, you made your decisions and then what? Yeah. So then, you know, lots of, um, pre-op appointments and blood work and all that good stuff, um, prepping and, and getting ready. And the next thing I would say that was really important to prepare right before I went into surgery was making sure I had research done. I am, I'm a note taker and research mm -hmm. girl, but, um, what I could expect when I got home. And so little things like 
having styrofoam cups in the kitchen because picking up a glass of water uh, like this, you're using muscles here huh. and it really hurt. And they didn't want you to lift anything, but also it just yeah. was uncomfortable. Like, um, so just having things like that or having something to hold the drains that mm -hmm. come out from the surgery. So when you're showering, they're not dangling all over the place. Yeah. Um, lots of things, um, yeah. you know, just to, to think about. Um, mm -hmm. So I had a list of those things going. Um, yeah, it, it was really helpful to, to know and not be afraid to look up what's what to expect. I know they say yeah. don't your Google, but you know, you have to know a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, an informed mind. I, I think that there, yes, it can be taken to scare you of all the what ifs, you know, that could come about, but also to prepare you for like, well, this is reality. I mean, it's a major surgery. And so, and, but then also then on the other side, the emotional side, I mean, we we're talking a lot about that in the beginning as well. Do you mm -hmm. feel like there was, um, any talk about the emotional preparation for this process as well? Great question. Um, emotionally, no, I don't think there mm -hmm. was a lot that they offered. Um, there was a cancer center locally um, close to me that I was able to go and get Reiki sessions done, um, mm -hmm. acupuncture, things like that if I wanted for free, okay. which was great. Oh, that's great. Um, but you know, that was wonderful. But you know, one of the things that I was looking for that I didn't find was like a um, like a, 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 a talk group, like mm. a support group rather. That's the yeah. Um, they didn't have that, huh? They did, but it was it was a more for people who were like in a further stage mm. of cancer. Um, and the ones that I found, I also, I mean, to me, I also thought to myself, is someone like me going to be there? You know, am I going to be sitting next to somebody who's potentially, you know, may not survive this journey? Why should I be there? That goes yeah. back to the original yes. um, story of like feeling like I can't even go there. Who can I go, who can I turn to? Is there somebody who I could talk to for me? Um, because I didn't feel comfortable. Even if there was one available, I didn't feel comfortable going. Mm. I almost felt embarrassed. Yeah. Um, and so it would have been nice to have that as an option. Yeah, for sure. Have you found, like, do those exist or are they just a catch-all for anyone with any stage in any kind of cancer? It's a catch-all, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I've talked to lots of people since, and we've all said the same thing. The people that mm. I've interacted with that have gone through this or something similar, they've been saying the same. There's there's not, it's just like a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm trying to see if there's a way we can fix that. And I, yeah. I don't know how, um, but, you know, to maybe have a support group for, um, you know, spouses or afterwards, like how to yeah. deal with things, your sexuality, intimacy, mm -hmm. relationships after a mastectomy, for example. Yeah. That was something I wasn't expecting. And yes. That, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's not something that you're going to typically be talked about, you know, with the doctors like, well, that's out of my realm. And, but then like, who do you go to? And if you don't have that support group, then did you find that there were, um, were there Facebook groups um, for your stage cancer or like, I mean, I know it's not the same as sitting in a group, in, you know, mm -hmm. in person, but did you find, or those, if there were, they were kind of 
not what you wanted to be a part of, or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, I remember seeing a few things out there, but there was a lot of um, like negative chatter, you know, mm, or yes. um, more medical questions. Like I'm feeling okay. this, this about where I, I could find all that out on my own. I mm. needed that emotional support yes. um, that I didn't think I needed until it showed up at my door. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then hence that led you to the writing and then processing through this and then sharing with others. And through that, you've really basically co created a community, I would guess, um, from those connections that you've been able to make with people um, that maybe you are well on your way to creating a community, a support group, or whatever you want to call it, um, to be able to help. And, and maybe even maybe even if it's not just that specific stage of cancer, but just the emotional side of everything that isn't necessarily talked about in the doctor's offices or online or, you know, where are you going to get that information? Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a much needed area that needs more attention. I think mm -hmm. for sure it felt, it felt like just kind of going for the motions. It's, you know, the, the way the nurse told me on the phone is just rolled off her tongue like she said it 50 times before. Um, yeah. You know, the doctors have their thing that they say when you come in and they walk you through what to expect. It, some of it felt rehearsed, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the notebook, the thing, you know, just having that a little bit of customization um, yeah. for each person. And I don't think it's asking a lot, um, but maybe to be just a little bit more thoughtful um, yeah. in some of the things that are offered and it just felt to um, to get you there, and then that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and maybe there's someone listening to this that's like, "Hey, I want to be a part of that, creating this community." Um, do you do you have ideas? Like you mentioned, you don't know exactly what it could look like, but is that something that you are actively pursuing and working on putting together a community like that? You know, I actually had started to do that with a few friends that had gone through um, a breast cancer journey at various stages. And we were meeting about once a month and we would sit around and talk about, yeah, they need to do this. Yeah, we need to yeah. do that. But we always left going, okay, how do we, how do we get into the, these big hospitals and these yeah. conglomerates of healthcare where they just, you know, they're doing their thing. And um, I, so I, I think the thoughts are there. Like I would love mm. to be able to find more people interested and maybe there's a way we can get in front of um, some important people at these healthcare systems or, you know, make a video or where they hear this, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do they have, yeah. And I was thinking about that. Um, and like, did you experience in your time in the hospitals and in all, you know, doctor's offices, were there like volunteers or anyone kind of like that at all? Because it just makes me think of like the children's hospitals or like, you know, dogs that come in and volunteers come in, you know, and just, I feel like there's different aspects of like that, that you kind of hear about in different places. Um, did you experience anything like that in the, in your care process? You know, um, I remember they gave me a little bag that had some goodies in there, you know, just like, um, you know, some lotion and, you know, hair tie and maybe an inspirational quote. It was really lovely. And I've heard of, you know, people doing Reiki in hospitals or having um, support dogs. None of that I saw was offered to me. Okay. I mean, it was just in my experience. I can't talk mm -hmm. for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were offered yeah. that. Um, 
yeah, so the time I was there, no, I, I didn't have a lot of, you know, volunteers or anything. It was kind of like, okay, let's get you back mm. home. Interesting. <laughs> well, I think that's great. So if there's anyone that's listening, we're going to be sharing Stacy's information and, and her website in just a few minutes to be able to connect with her. Um, but I think that's a great idea if there's someone that has an inroads to a cancer center or just also has gone through something similar as Stacy um, or just wants to connect and, and be, be able to help with that. I think that would be an amazing connection. I think that would be awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. We need multiple voices sometimes, right, to get things done. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just need a place to start, you know, yeah. how, how do we get this message to the right people? So. Yeah, I love that. I think that's beautiful. And this is one place to start. And I can't believe our time has just flown. It is wild to me. So what did we not touch on? What would what else would you love to share um, with others that are listening to give hope and encouragement, another aspect or a story from your experience that you definitely want to be able to share? Well, I think we covered a lot of things today. And I really appreciate the time um, that you gave me to discuss these things because um I want everybody to know that your thoughts matter. Um, no matter how big or small, your thoughts matter. And the stuff that you're going through, somebody else is feeling the same thing that you are. And you may be thinking you're crazy and thinking, you know, your emotions are all over the place. Um, but just know there are people out there going for the same thing. And it's okay to talk about it. And it's also okay not to fit the mold and just not be afraid to be okay with your emotions, whether they're what they're sh they should be or what society thinks they should be or shouldn't be, um, and just own it. Um, and do whatever you can to get the maybe mental and wellness support that you need, whether it's writing or talking to a friend or writing a blog or making a Facebook page, whatever it is, you'll find what you need. You'll find what you need. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, and that made me think of one quick question I have for you. So are you still coloring? Are you finding time to color still? <laughs> I need to make more time to do that. And, um, you know, I do that occasionally. But in one of my posts, I actually mentioned, you know, yeah. you come out of an experience like this and you say, I'm going to do this from now on and I'm going to be positive and I'm going to do this. And it and it's there for a while and then it mm -hmm. fades. And yeah. I'm here to say it's normal. And it's mm -hmm. going to happen. Um, and I remember thinking, well, I tried, you know, and then, but that's okay. We got to dust yourself off and try again. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you have to do. And just, it's a stop and start, stop and start. And, um, you know, you can always do better tomorrow. Exactly. That's reality. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stacey, for being here with us. And why don't you go ahead and share um, with everyone and we'll put up your contact information on the screen for those watching, um, where they can find your website and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. The website is stacyshopechest.com. And um, there's some great stuff in there. It's set up more like a blog. So you want to make sure that you start at the bottom so it, in March uh, 2016 and work your way up to kind of get the sequence of things. Um, and if you have any questions or you need to talk or if somebody you know is maybe going through something, feel free to email me at um, Stacy at stacyshopejust.com. Awesome. Very good. Well, Stacy, thank you so, so much for being willing to 
be on our podcast today and just just share your vulnerability, share your story, because I know you are an inspiration and such a great help to so many others. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. I really appreciate the time. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV or joining me on the Moms for Wellness podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Moms for Wellness podcast and leave a five-star rating or review. It really is helpful and we would be so grateful. I'm Jenny. Have a good one.